by the powers vested in me by the Federal Communications Commission, I command you to get on the microphone in a serious manner and continue this broadcast. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome, everybody, to Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill, along with Matt Butler. Oh, Matthew, my man. Yes. Oh, it's been a day. It's <laughs> yes, been a day here at Cairo Radio. It's been a yakety yak talking kind of day, and I'm wondering how long my throat will hold out. We'll try to keep things at a me- mellow tone. Well, if I can, um, you know, suggest it, perhaps this AI uh, DJ can maybe <laughs> supplement for us when um, our voices give out. So uh, it, it, we, let's start there, because you know more about this than I do. Um, there's a company who is buying up radio stations, right? And the company that's buying up these radio stations is a proponent of eliminating human, humanity from radio. No, it's not actually a company in this case. Surprisingly, you would expect an evil, evil corporate overlord, but it's actually a company that's developed a product that they say has a natural voice and can draw information from social media and turn it into, quote-unquote, DJing. In other words, what, okay. by what they're referring to as DJs, be more a personality between the songs. Like right, right, right. Like uh, the yeah. voice between the songs, primarily in music radio. Yeah. But this is in its early stages of technology. As somebody who came up in music radio, the idea of making this artificial – and something that it just pulls stuff off of the internet. And I'm like, well, does it have a fact checker? Does it have a conscience? Does it have any sort of awareness of well, what not to do to do that job? It's, it's, it's disturbing. Well, it, it's a little disturbing, but let's think about that job. The job of saying in between the Cardi B and the whoever records, you know, a, a little tidbit about social life and, and, and pop culture, that kind of thing in between songs, the station's, the station's name and the time of day. Those kind of things is that what the that what the intelligence is going yeah, to be able to create? It's going to be drawing information out, so it's 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 trying to provide actual content. It's right, not, well, it's not just not, saying the slogans of the artists. It's okay, trying yeah. to be like you know, like fish okay, in the day's pop fish, radio term. Right, fish in the day's headlines for what Cardi B's who she sleeps. Right, well, like, I don't mean to pick Ryan on her. Seacrest only with less personality. Right, <laughs> I can't. I tried many times. I can't. No, so so, and I, I'm really curious about this because. We're talking about generating the content of the day. Machine Gun Kelly might be sleeping with his guitarist. That's why he blah, 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 is leaving. Megan Fox is you know, that kind of story. To is talk. she going to give him back the vial of his blood? I don't know. Where's around her neck? I'm trying not to follow the details of their personal issue, and I, I know you can understand why. But we're talking about like those kind of those kind of jocks, right? Segway, radio, and, and no knock on them. It's a tough gig to keep. I tried to keep one I couldn't keep. I get it. But the kind of jocks that just give content in between songs and maybe the news of the day, right? A couple news stories. So they're going and they're going to just scour the social medias and the internet for content of the day, and it's. I mean, let's face it; that's the kind of radio gig that most most stations, if they even bother to have that person, is the last person in the building. That's a human being that's not programmed by a computer. They use the computers to pick the songs, right? And this will will this will this artificial intelligence also pick the songs? You know, I've always wondered that because, in theory. I've always thought that AI would actually be well used in music scheduling. Like it could figure out the parameters and pick up on sound codes and somehow figure out how to perfectly schedule an hour of music, which actually would be very handy for someone like me as who was an owner operator to have that tool. Sure. But the best software can only do at this point what people tell it to do. 
which means that you still have to do a lot of hand maintenance to get yeah. the music logs right. Whereas you would think that the technology would exist to do it, but it hasn't been used for that purpose yet. Okay, I think it. I think it would make sense, but it hasn't been. I mean, most music stations are programmed to somebody's taste, right? Or a response of the national popularity polls for sales or downloads, or however. I would say more however, the latter than the former. Yes. Okay. Well, no, that's true. But there is. I know. I know. There's musical research that goes into music radio stations. I've worked on them for a long time. And they literally will do a phone test. I'm not sure if it's still phone. It may be internet evolved to that point now where they would like, you know, ask people what they think of a, a pool of songs and get like in market audience research for how they like that music. And they would use those research figures to also help drive what goes on air. So those could be all programmed into a computer. You know, the top charts could be programmed into a computer. Yeah, it's. Those, but those, see, they're saying those kind of jobs, we're saving people from those. Those are soul crushing, unfulfilling jobs. We just could talk about who Machine Gun Kelly's sleeping with, and here's the next record by Snoop, whomever. But it's a quote-unquote soul-crushing job that used to mean a lot to a lot of people before these same Silicon Valley types swaggered in with their venture capital and said, hey, what we've got's not good enough. We're just going to screw up your whole business. Well, it's that happens to a lot of people in a lot of jobs, man, where, yeah, where people come in and take over the business, try to maximize profits and cut down on uh, on the cost of doing business and even the product delivered in a lot of cases well, all just to I get the return will, all of investment. All I will say on the matter, Spike, is that so, as someone who has advocated for artists, who has done the localism thing, who has advocated for local artists, independence, events going on in the community, so much charitable stuff, radio has been such a force for good in my life and the lives of so many communities that I hate to see how on every level, not only in our media, but in our just our overuse of tech, our dependence on being constantly plugged into everything and anything and becoming so reactive, we are losing our souls. Yeah. Well, <laughs> small price to pay for corporate profit. How's your evening? That's going great. <laughs> you know, no, I, you know what? Seeing that you have a problem is the first step to getting past it and getting a solution, right? First thing is you got to admit there's a problem before you can fix a problem. So, yeah, it's the fact that uh, you need people who have uh, a passion for this business and a touch with the community and an idea of what quality means and how to find out what people think of music. You still need people like that in this business. And you said this company that's uh, doing this soul-crushing, job-killing thing is down in Portland now? They're down in- Well, one of the companies that has <laughs> adapted it has a number of stations nationwide. Yeah, They're yeah. not the largest group, but they do have some significant properties in Portland. They don't own us. Thank God. That's the beauty of this whole thing. They don't own us, people. Um, you know, well, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, let's talk some local stuff. We've got a little time here. I know we've had some fun talking about our inside the park, inside baseball, like to call stuff like that. And maybe it gives you folks at home an idea of what we go through on a daily basis, whether or not our key works or doesn't work when we come to work. And a lot of industries feel that too. Yeah, I tried polishing up my resume, but then I realized due to 20 years in this business, I have no discernible skill set that applies outside of it. So So I'm pretty much screwed. Do you need AI or creative writing to help you get your resume up to speed? Yeah, I need one of those AI things to create a better resume. Yeah, better, better. Well, now, will you just lie about your resume and go to Congress? This, there may be an opening soon. So there's, all, there's always Well, I hope. took my team to the Super Bowl. Why not Congress next? <laughs> the same week you broke the NBA's all-time scoring record, too. Uh, you know, we've been talking about downtown a lot. We've been talking about uh, Seattle, and we've, you know, the mayor gave his state of the city address earlier in the week, and we kind of chewed on that for a while. And the mayor had some great ideas about what it will take to get the city back to where it needs to be and even go even further. In fact, I think that was the, the cornerstone of Mayor Harrell's state of the city was that he just doesn't want to make things as good as they were before. He sees our potential to go so much further. 
as a city. And I think he's right. We we talked about this the other night when when you finally get the, the, the place that you know you have been, so you know you can be, like a city that's safe and clean and a city that uh, doesn't have a population of those experiencing homelessness who are overrunning the majority of public spaces that detract from everyone's opinion of your town. Once you've addressed those things, then you have to make some changes to your city that will get people to come back and get people to make it their new home. And, you know, we'll be back. The first thing is, and this, there's a list from GeekWire about the 10 things leaders shared, ideas to make Seattle's downtown core more vibrant. Okay, these are downtown dreams they're calling this. This is from GeekWire. These guys know what they're talking about. They're a very modern company. GeekWire knows the, the tech industry better than just about anybody. And these are business leaders. First one, by, by overwhelming majority, make it safer. That's like we say, we need, we need law enforcement community down there that knows how to interact with the people on hand, face the problems they're really dealing with. That means we've, we've got a serious drug problem in the Seattle, got a serious homeless issue in Seattle. We address those two, make the city safe again. Job one, no one's going to come down there no matter what you do. Second idea is to make it affordable. When the mayor was talking about taking some of these retail spaces, converting them to retail slash living spaces, opening up space for folks to be downtown. I think that's a good element of the mayor's plan to move us beyond better to forward and, and be best things ever. Bring the people back downtown. The convention center is opening. is one of their third ideas. Bring people back. This, these are pretty basic ideas, but they do make sense, and it seems to be what's happening. There's talk that the songs could return to Seattle by 2025. The NBA is ready to expand. They're talking about Vegas and talking about Seattle, not relocation of another team, which where you got to start bidding against another city and the city has to really, you know, lower their tax pants to draw a new owner into town. This is league expansion, which wouldn't cost the city as much as trying to relocate another team. Bring the Sonics back. There's a new convention center. If it's safe, people are going to start to make it, make it, make their way back into the city. And when you got people come back in the city to work, the, the idea next is to increase childcare options within the city. So folks who are coming to town, and child care is one of the biggest issues in the country, they want to have places downtown, public spaces downtown, park spaces downtown, where child care options can have outdoor options, because the state just passed a bill, I think, in Olympia moving forward, that kids the mandatory 45 minutes a day for outdoor recess for our kids. And that's just not at schools. I mean, you know, when kids are in daycare, they need outside space as well. So, okay, here we go. If you've cleaned up the parks, if you've gotten rid of the drug and homeless issues, you've got a lot of park space downtown that can be easily converted to give outside child care options, right? Increased child care options during the day for folks coming to town to work. Got to have it safe. Got to have it clean first, first, first. Next idea is think big in outdoor spaces. Have you seen this uh, thing called a 15-minute city, Matt? Have you heard about this concept? A new urbanization concept is taking a city and making anything you need if you have an apartment within 15 minutes walking distance of you. Whether it's childcare, whether it's groceries, pet care, some retail. I think retail moving into a more uh, digital and on-demand model moving forward overall. I think I think retails, retail buying things at stores other than fresh foods is going to become a lesser and lesser of a thing. So all the things you need within your life in 15 minutes. A 15-minute city. So if you're going to get people to come back downtown in Seattle, you have to think big on your outdoor spaces is the next one. We have these views. We have this fresh air. We have this 
waterfront. You know, part of the fact the city's built on a hill is everywhere you go. Everybody's got a view. Great outdoor spaces. Uh, the next idea to bring people back downtown is to make it walkable. Try to make foot traffic accessible and safer in the downtown corridor. It says, uh, this is from uh, Ambika Singh. She's a CEO in Seattle in a clothing startup. She says, I think, I think I'd like to see downtown become walkable 24-7. To make this happen, we need bright streetlights, a visible security presence, and more importantly, homes for everyone that currently reside on the walkways, getting people off the sidewalk so you can't have a 24 you can't have a You can't have a 9 to 5 walking city. If folks are on the sidewalks, you certainly can't have a 24-7 walking city if folks are forced to live on the streets. She says, as business leaders, we will see the benefits of this investment immediately in the form of employees coming back to work, customers frequenting retail and and service footprints, and a general rise in the quality of life for all. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, From the mayor's idea, the next idea on this list is convert office spaces to housing or mixed use. You know, uh, the office space thing is they're not coming back ever to full capacity like we had it. Whether businesses became more productive and downsized number of employees they had or they went to remote and in-place work, no one needs the office space. That was the biggest hit any group took during the pandemic was office space, ownership, and rental. So you make it living space. You know, a lot of these buildings have numerous floors. It's an easy conversion. It's a lot cheaper than building new space. We don't have space to build new buildings anyway. So convert. Next day, it was mentioned earlier, go 24-7 downtown. And not just a safe place to walk, but open businesses that are 24-7. Now, that's going to be, of course, lighter traffic. But you still want to know the city is, everything you need is there. It's it's not a ghost town at 11 o'clock or midnight with grocers or restaurants or whatever it might be, bookstores. I don't know, what, what do you keep open overnight? Who knows? But it would be there for you in a walking city where everything in your life is fit within 15 minutes of you. That would be so cool, though, if there was an all-night bookstore with a bar. You'd have to stop serving liquor at 2 and then refill their glasses at 6, I think. Yes, there are some hours that you can't serve. But, but that would be a, uh, be a that conceptually be, cool thing. Sure. And you could just sit around and read and drink all day. And, and, you know, we flip it to decaf or, you know, or regular coffee at 2 a.m. and uh, non-alcoholic drinks. Yep, the coffee will hold me through until sure. they start serving again. <laughs> I worked at a bar once that opened at 6 a.m. for third shifters. And the place was busy every morning. I didn't work mornings. The place was busy every morning. It's where you put the shots in those tall glasses, but just an inch deep in the bottom of the glass. So as their hand shakes on the way to their mouth, they don't spill a shot glass. In the way. <laughs> uh, and the last is to stay positive for this ten list, list of 10 things from business leaders about what Seattle needs to do to re, re, rebirth downtown, to rebirth the downtown area, to make it a place people make it vibrant, place people want to be, to have the core come back. Story this week says that our retail space is back to 47% of pre-pandemic occupancy levels. Some cities are over 50. We're at 43. But to get it to come back, there's, it's a simple list, folks. And, and it all starts with job one. We've been saying for weeks. It's got to be a safe city. You know, but to stay positive is, is also on the list. That's the last thing they want you to do. It's how you decide to tackle a problem. Not coincidentally, stay positive is also the last thing I'll do on my list. Well, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I, I love, wouldn't you love a city you could walk around in any time of the day? Every, I do love you know, that. I here, love that when I travel. It's 
It's something I I didn't realize until I moved here how early this city seemed to kind of shut down. It's it is yeah, something for, that for a big a world class city like yeah. like it is Seattle. Yeah, we do tend to shut down earlier than a lot of East Coast cities, which have more I guess population that works later than here. And that's that's kind of a cycle right there. When you get these people who work in town all hours, or they also play in town all hours. Ah, oh, I forgot to say the arts in that last segment. One of the things that GeekWire's list of the 10 things to make Seattle vibrant and vital again, the arts. And I know that we spend a lot of money on public art. We gussy up our bridges and overpasses and whatever. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But also bringing the arts communities in, music in, a bookstore in, the arts, you know, art studios, whatever it might be. But giving people the quality of life outside of working and living, walking to the store and back, but some quality of life. I'm telling you, the city's not not going anywhere. We're going to be here for a while. We'll be fine. It's Kyra Knights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. We'll be right back after these. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. <sighs> yep, I miss Glenn Fry. So many, you know, we Matt, I, I'm tempting fate out of Knockwood, man. We haven't had to say goodbye to all our heroes, and it's I don't even put a number day on it. But uh, we're playing Glenn Fry. We didn't just he didn't just lose him. He's been gone already. Sadly enough. <sighs> so in Seattle. We've got a Seattle city council member who's announced that they're not running for re-election, going to move on, and that's going to make quite a few people happy because this particular city council member is, uh, to say extreme, probably being as soft and kind as I can in the description. What about Shama Sawant, the labeled socialist who has a lot of radical ideas about what to do for the city for some of its citizens and workers and to some of its businesses, she's got some opinions that are not popular across the board. And sometimes what it is is not even that the position or the policy that she's proposing is even that extreme or that it's been treated as such extreme in other cases. A lot to do with her, I think, and especially criticism from the left is presentation. Yeah. She's become someone that no one can work with from either side. She's become a bull in a china shop. And I don't know a lot about politics, but I know you have to convince other people to come around to your way of thinking. And that's hard to do when you're just a bull in a china shop. I know firsthand. Trust me, I'm learning. I'm learning every day. But while Shama Swan hasn't been anybody's, well, I maybe her district, they wrote for her heavily. Her constituency. And I think, I believe a lot of her constituency is of the same national uh, experience and background as her. She has probably, I assume, quite a large Indian population in her. And I'm, I'm assuming... Shama Sawant is Indian, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. Like I said, she's not my favorite city council member, so... Oh, she is the only Indian American on the city council. Okay, I got that right. Was trying to be respectful, make sure. She's proposing legislation. And Seattle City Council actually has added caste 
to the city's anti-discrimination laws. That's what it is. There's, a, there's already an on-the-books anti-discrimination law. Shama Zawant wants to add caste discrimination to that list of protected subgroups under the city's anti-discrimination law. Now, a lot of us don't know what the caste system is, okay? Caste system is a social pecking order, in, especially in India. I'm not sure if there are other countries, and I think there are other, or others, you know, ethnicities or countries, traditions that have a caste system in place. When, when you know what it is, you'll, there are other examples I'm sure we can give in other countries. But basically, it's that you are born into a stratosphere of the society, and I think there are five caste systems. The highest is priests and teachers. They're the highest level of humans. You can, If you're not born there, you can never get there. The thing is, you're, whatever caste system level you're born into, that's where you stay for life. There's, you know, the, there's five orders. There's teachers, and then there's, I think, leaders, teachers and priests, leaders, um, and warriors. I think leaders and warriors are second. I forget. The bottom is street cleaners. Laborers are right above that. And, you know, lenders and, and buyers and, and retailers and marketers, those are in the middle. It sounds well, to me like you're describing our, our nation under hyper-capitalism, actually. Well, it, it, we have some similarities uh, with the hyper-capitalism, absolutely. But the difference is in capitalism, you can work as hard as you want and as long as you want and achieve what you want, limited only by your abilities and your efforts. In the caste system, you can't do that. You can't break out. And that's a traditional system that's been going on for thousands of years in these societies. You can never work your way out of a lower caste system into the next higher system. You can't marry into that system. You can't be often employed up into that system. If you're born in the lower caste system, you can't advance yourself through your efforts. And again, I say this is different. How? <laughs> well, <laughs> bear with me. I'm getting to the point. I'm getting to my point. So Shama Sawant has proposed adding caste discrimination. And I think this is great. Here's why. When you move to America, when you apply for citizenship or enter on a visa, when you come here legally, and I think we're all for, let's get here, all, let's all get here legally, help everybody find a legal path to get here. You got some information on this or you're just coming in early because news is coming? You got breaking news. Well, no, it's not breaking news, uh, but, but it, this did pass the city council on Monday. So it is it's now a done part. deal. It's a done Thank deal. Thank you. I, was, I, yeah, I wasn't sure if it had yep. been... A finalized situation. So if, yeah. if you don't want to stay, you're more than welcome. Lisa Brooks, ladies and gentlemen, it has passed. It's become part of the city's anti-discrimination laws. The caste system has been added. People say, isn't this super serving a specific narrow group? I'm like, okay, it, it is. But doesn't that group also deserve protection from discrimination? And I'm assuming that this came up because Shama Sawant's constituency was experiencing this problem of people coming to this country from their society and you can see it all over the place, bringing the cultures and traditions of whatever culture they came from to this new world. We're a melting pot. We've all got different little things. There are places as you move north on Aurora Avenue, retail areas, that will tend to cater toward different ethnicities as you travel through different regions of the cities. There's a section of the retail that caters toward a Hispanic buying population, one toward a Southeast Asian buying population. And that's fine to do. As long as everybody brings the traditions, hardworking, the customs that make them proud, that's all wonderful part to be here. But when you bring discrimination from your old world to here, that's not American. That's why people move here from India, to escape the caste system and make things of themselves. So, Shama Sawant introduced and got passed and got added to the cities, the anti-discrimination laws, protection for her constituencies. 
to not be discriminated on based on a system that they moved away from in India and came to America for opportunities and freedom and the ability to self-improve. Uh, it's very similar if there was a story in 2006. I was talking to Jack Stein today. A story in 2006 of a guy who moved to Georgia and wanted to bring his eight-year-old wife from Afghanistan and tried to sue and took it all the way to the Supreme Court about in his religion, you know, you could marry an eight-year-old. So it was religious discrimination to not let him do that here in America. Well, part of the whole plan is that people in America have rights, including the eight-year-old. And our, our laws prohibiting child abuse far outweigh what you claim is your religious beliefs. If these don't jive with your religious beliefs, go somewhere that does. We wouldn't want Sharia law here. We often heard the story about, you know, no Sharia law. Don't come here and have Sharia law. If you're moving to America, adopt local law. Not all local customs. Don't abandon your customs. But abandon the laws that conflict with U.S. laws. So I think good on Shama Sawant. Adding a way if people were being discriminated to the list of ways people can't be discriminated against. Good on you. At first when I heard the story, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But then I thought about it. She's doing what she's been hired by the people as a city council member to do. Protect them in their lives. And I'm all for people when they come to this country, assimilate a little bit. Keep your pride. Keep your customs. Keep your traditions. Keep your holidays. Great. But you got to kind of fold in a little bit so that all of us have the same protections our, our founding fathers laid out, people fought and died for. The reason a lot of people moved here. My family moved here, not like to Washington State, but to this country, and it was a while ago. They're Irish. It's a great place to find work. And I want everybody to have the same opportunities we had. Right? Who can argue against that? I'm sure you can, 888-973-5476. But good on you, Shama Swan. And to be honest with you, I'm glad Shama Swan has decided not to run for re-election, to be completely transparent. She's going to move on and do more things on a national perspective to help the causes she holds uh, dear. The priorities she wants to help people achieve in this country. Good on her. I think it'd be nice to not have her as the bull in the china shop we've had to live with in the Seattle City Council. In fact, most of the Seattle City Councils announced they're not going to come back, right? If almost a majority, if not. So, you know, if you don't like the way the city's going, good news. Changes are coming. It's Cairo Knights. I'm Spike O'Neill. Glad you're here with us, along with Matt Butler. We'll be back right after these. Adam Levine. Yeah, oh yeah, I know Adam. Of course, I know him from I know some of their music, and I know him from the voice where he's done very well. Had a fine little run. But uh, I'm not a big Maroon Five fan. Something about having guys with that many tattoos singing at me, I just it just makes me nervous. Um, Adam Levine <laughs> uh, is in the news. <laughs> he's in the news because he got took bad. Um, and Matt, I appreciate you playing that in. I want to talk about this a little bit. Imagine that you were a car collector, a serious car collector, and that's what Adam Levine is. And a lot of guys are serious car collectors. Was it uh, Adam Carolla, I heard, had bought um, 
Steve McQueen's race cars or is it the uh, Paul Newman's race cars? One, he bought one of these racing car collections because he's trying to rival Jay Leno for classic car collections and especially high, I mean, high-end vehicles. Anybody who makes it treats himself at one point or another to some level or another of a high-end vehicle. Adam Levine is one of these people who takes great pride in vintage vehicles. In fact, when he bought this 1971 Maserati, one of only 25 of this particular type made, he uh, he gave up two cars that he had collected over the years, two cars from his collection that were worth quite a bit of money, that were worth about $950,000 between the two cars he gave up in this deal and $100,000 of cash on top of it. So Levine gives up a pair of Ferraris, a 72 Ferrari and a 68 Ferrari to trade in on this 1971 Maserati with a, a, a car dealer, a licensed classic car dealer in California, a guy with uh, international expertise recognition on these type of cars. Levine trades off two of his prized Ferraris for this one of 25 ever made 1971 Maserati. Well, turns out that Adam Levine was sold a, a bill of goods and a fake Maserati. And now Adam Levine is having to sue this guy to try to get his money and his cars back if he can. I mean, it's, this, this, this is under our first world problems heading, of course. But, dude, you know, even for a guy like Adam Levine, who I'm a talented guy, I'm not a fan of his music. Again, the tattoos kind of scare me. Same way with a lot of people. Like Henry Rollins also scared the crap out of me. I'm sure he's got great music, but the tattoos just floor me out a little bit. So Adam Levine's got to hire the lawyers to go after the car dealer, who, by the way, furnished paperwork on the 1971 Maserati. And he had all the right numbers and all the right news and all the right different. I mean, it was the right paperwork for the car Adam was supposed to buy, except the car he was buying wasn't the car on the paperwork. They're alleging that the dealer, you know, sold them a car that was that they had built from different parts, and it was it was a Maserati, and it just wasn't this paperwork one in twenty five ever made worth a million dollars. And Adams didn't have it checked out apparently when he made the deal, didn't do the due diligence to not get stooped over by what is by all accounts the best guy in the world to buy vintage cars from. I mean, we all seen these auctions of these cars that go for half a million dollars as a Barrett's down in the desert every year. There's lots of these auctions, and it's fun to watch. It's fun to imagine even playing in that arena where you have the kind of cars lying around in a garage somewhere that you spend you spend more money to rent the garage that you keep your cars in than most of us will ever assume in personal wealth throughout our entire lifetime. So the last thing you want is to get, get taken. I wish him luck. I wonder how a guy can be a, a vintage car dealer and pull this kind of, you know, bait and switch with the fake paperwork from a car that is worth a million dollars. It's one of only 25 ever made. But the car that you deliver is something completely different. I feel bad for you, Adam, even though, you know, you're not my guy. But, boy, I'd hate to be to, hate, hate to get taken like that. You give up a couple of Ferraris to do it. Woof. Sad times at the Levine home. I wonder how many other cars he has, though, to console himself with, drive around town. I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah. He's got a nice-looking lady on his hip. He's got a fine, successful career with a successful band. Is that a butterfly tattoo on his neck? Again, it freaks me out, Matt. 
Um, what is the thing with all I have You're body? assuming I've looked really closely at Adam Levine's no, tattoos. No, I no, really no, haven't. No, 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 no. no. no, no, no. I'm not talking about Adam Levine specifically. Who is it? Travis Barker, the other guy that has the tattoos on the face tattoos, and he's with like Blink-182. Is that what he's part of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what, funny? I, I, I don't think about him either, Travis Barker. He's, I think he's with one of the Kardashians now. If not, he's, he's, he's dated his way into that uh, arena of entertainment, which is great for him. Never deny another man a scam. I met Travis Barker at Disney World or Disneyland in California at the old hotel, the Disneyland Hotel. He was with his little girl. We had our youngest down at Disney. My wife and I were taking her to Goofy's Kitchen where you have breakfast with the characters. I mean, is there a more American thing on the face of the earth than that, right? couple tables over, it's Travis Barker, and I spot him from the neck tattoos. Could have been a nicer guy. Loved his kids. Crazy about his little kids. Wonderful. I hope he's doing well in the Kardashian world. That's a scary place. It's a snake pit. Be careful. Be careful when you date a Kardashian and move yourself up in that arena. And the tattoos, that's my issue. It's not on Adam Levine. That's not on Travis Barker. That's not on Henry Rollins. It's on me. I'm the guy nervous around the whole body tattoo thing. What I love are the people who get their surgeries and their face and their ears cropped and you know, they put scales under their skin or horns under their skin, and then they complain they can't get work. That one kind of makes me a little goofy. You just work everywhere. Just don't go to a, yeah, a senior center. That would scare people badly. And not any place anybody's eating. That's all I really ask. Yeah, but the thing is, Spike, is that all the kids getting that body art in how many years they'll be in a nursing home. <laughs> so it evens yeah. out. Yeah, and they won't need to worry about work because they're going to be influencers. You know, they don't play Perry Cuomo in the nursing homes anymore. Oh, don't they? I, I, they should, but they should, don't. Somebody should cover that in metal. So metal aids, when metalheads get older, they can have actually good music done to the style of music. So that like they retirement love. home music and like just the next couple of decades <laughs> is going to be what? Like uh, Britney Spears, oh, Maroon 5, well, Matchbox 20, like where is it going? Don't, going? Dude, don't even start down that alleyway of doom and despair because I've been through the grocery store and heard Muzak versions of the songs that drove my life when I was a kid. I've heard I want to be elected by, you know, in elevator music format at the grocery store overhead speaker. But have you heard Afternoon Delight? Oh, not a, n- Never often enough, Matt. <laughs> never often enough. Um, hey, when we come back, I'm going to tell you about two things. While Seattle has its problems, the ha- one of the happiest cities in America is right across the water in eyeshot of Seattle. Voted one of America's happiest cities. And I'll tell you why you're not wrong when you think that maybe the highest paid guy in the room isn't the smartest guy in the room. Matt deals with that every day. He looks through that window and just wonders why. It's Kyra Knights and Spike O'Neill with the great Matt Butler. We'll be right back.